It's my privilege now to lead us in the reading and the preaching of God's Word. If you please would turn with me to Luke chapter 19. I will read for us verses 1 through 10, and then for the sermon I would like to focus uh, mainly on verse 10. So please listen carefully. This is the Word of our God. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Please pray with me. Our God, we thank you for your word. This morning we thank you for the gospels and the beautiful accounts we see of Jesus' interaction with others, of Jesus' interaction with people like us. And this morning, this beautiful statement of Jesus that he came to seek and to save the lost. We know for each and every one of us who have come to know Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel, who have been found by you, we know it's only because of this. Jesus came to seek us and to save us. So help us as we, as we turn to your word now as your church. Help us. Give us ears ready to listen, hearts ready to receive, and change us by your word, we pray. We need you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So recently I watched a documentary on a, on a man who was reuniting families from the Rohingya refugee crisis in Bangladesh. So the, the Rohingya people were living in Myanmar in 2016, a little into 2017. This was their home. But the government turned on them, the military turned on them, and 700,000 refugees had to flee Myanmar into the neighboring country of Bangladesh. And as they, they fled, the military was attacking them. As they fled, many of these families were separated. So you can imagine, they get to this refugee camp. I think it's still the largest one in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people, no order. It's just chaos. And parents and children can't find one another. So the documentary shows child after child, lost, alone, unsure, even if their parents are alive. But the story, the documentary, is about this one man, Kamal Hussein, 
who sees this problem, all of these lost children, and at least at the time of the documentary, had found 800 children and reunited them with their families. It's an amazing story. These children were lost. These children were desperate. They had no idea what to do. This man comes on the scene, and he finds these lost children. He reunites them with their parents. Well, we're looking at this statement, as I said, I want to focus our attention on this one statement of Jesus in Luke 19, verse 10. And Jesus here is using this category of being lost, and we can understand a little bit what it means to be lost. He's using this category of being lost to describe normal people like you and me. So as we come to this, what do you think Jesus means by using this word lost to describe people? What does he mean? And have you ever or do you now feel lost in your life? Do you struggle with reason, a reason for living, a purpose, meaning, uh, a true spiritual connection? Do you feel kind of lost and directionless sometimes in life? Or can you say, like the famous former slave trader John Newton, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And then if you can say that this morning, if you can say, yes, I'm, I'm someone who has been found, then what does it look like to live as someone who is found? What should mark us as those who have been found? What does it look like? And I think we need to be careful here, especially for those of us who have been brought up in the church. We kind of throw these Christian terms around, lost and found, the lost out there, let's reach the lost. And, and I think we need to really slow down and try to understand what is Jesus meaning by using this term lost? I think it's often misunderstood just because we woke up this morning, maybe after a few football games and made it to church, we don't think, oh, we're the found, the people that slept in are the lost, right? We don't think that way about this. What does Jesus mean by using this term? So this is what I'd like to do for us this morning, just two questions. Two questions. First, what does Jesus mean by referring to people as lost? Number one. Number two, what is Jesus doing for the lost? What is he doing for the lost? And then I'll close with a few takeaways that I think are important from this text. So number one, what does Jesus mean by referring to people as lost? And I want to look at this in three ways. First, generally. What does he mean generally? And then contextually, the story of Zacchaeus, right? This statement comes right at the end of that story, that, that encounter with Zacchaeus. So then contextually, generally, contextually, and then currently. I think the, the way most people around us think in America, in this Western culture, really impacts the way we receive Jesus' message here in this category of lostness. So generally, contextually, and then currently. So number one, generally. What does Jesus mean by referring to people as lost? To be lost is to be missing. Not the most profound statement, right? To be lost is to be missing. Another definition is to be lost is to pass out of the active possession and use of one's owner. To pass out of the active possession and use of one's owner. If you were to come to my house just about any week of the year, kind of be a fly on the wall, and watch my life in my home at least two to three times every week, you would notice me wandering around my house muttering one of two phrases, where are my glasses or where is my phone? 
My wife, after 20 years, just ignores me, right? She's still amazed at how easy it is for me to misplace things, but that's what I'm doing. Where's my, where are my glasses? Where, where's, where's my phone? What happens when I lose my glasses? They pass out of active possession and use of me, their owner. And I live with a slight, I can get by, right? My vision's not bad, that bad, but I live with a slightly blurrier day. You would all kind of just be really cloudy if I didn't have my glasses. Because my glasses were designed, they were crafted for a specific use, to be on this face, to enhance my vision throughout the day. When my glasses are lost, they are not accomplishing their purpose. So how does this help us understand Jesus' category of being lost? To be lost, according to Jesus, is to be missing to God. It is to be out of active possession of our great owner. And our lives fall short of their purpose. When we're lost, when we're far from God, when we're not in his active possession. Right? Because the Bible clearly shows us the reality in, in which each of us live. As human beings, every single human being has been designed and crafted for a specific purpose by the Creator. This applies to every single person. God made us as relational beings and to be the primary, the primary reason for our creation is to be in relationship with Him. This is the fundamental relationship for every single human being to be in relationship with the God who made us. And our lives only work when this relationship with God is central and fundamental in our lives. The Princeton uh, theologian Gerhardus Voss uh, from around a century ago has a wonderful sermon on this text and he uses this illustration of plants, planets orbiting around the sun. So if the, if the fundamental goal of every life, of every human life, is to have this relationship or, or connection with God, your life will flourish and work properly when you're orbiting in the right way around God, when you have that connection, right? He's the sun. You are the planet. You are made to orbit around him. Your life will flourish. You will have light in your life. You will have life in your life, true life, if you're orbiting around him. But if, we can imagine the planet Earth or one of these apocalypse movies, the, the Earth starts to wheel off into space, out of orbit, what happens? Dark, cold, dead. All of us, right? We were made to orbit around God. So I think this helps us. This illustration helps us understand Jesus' category of being lost. It means we're disconnected from God. So it, it can look a whole host of different ways. But it's a life disconnected from that relationship with God. We're out of orbit, off into space. So Jesus says in Matthew 7 that the lost are those who are on the road, walking on the road, the broad road that leads to destruction. Why? Because we're walking away from our source of life. We're walking away from this relationship we were made for. So that's generally, what does it mean to be lost? I think that illustration helps. We're off into orbit. We're, we're away from our life source. Contextually, look at this story of Zacchaeus. Because this statement in verse 10 is Jesus' kind of summary of what just happened. It's his commentary on this interaction with Zacchaeus. So Jesus enters Jericho. 
And he does this. He's on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. And he's going to Jerusalem to die. Or he's on his way to the cross. So this is just a few days before Jesus goes to Jerusalem. And as he's passing through Jericho, as he's passing through, he seeks, he seeks out this man Zacchaeus. Right? Think about when, when we think about Jesus, we've come to expect this. If we're reading the Gospels, of course, he's going he's gonna to go hang out with Zacchaeus. But a, a prominent religious leader comes to town. What's he going to do? He's going he's to sit down and, and look to eat with the, the prominent re- religious leaders of the town. Or he's going to sit down with a mayor or someone of an influence. So he picks out this guy, Zacchaeus. And it's not kind of crazy to us just because he's short, right? We think of Zacchaeus, we think he's short. But that's not the most important aspect of this man, Zacchaeus. He is despised. He is a despised man in his community. He's an outcast because he's the chief tax collector. He was a traitor. He was a sellout. Right? He, he, he took money from the people in order, as we see the text, as it says, to be made rich. That's how he's rich. He stole it from the people. Uh, the Roman Cicero considered the occupation of tax collector as vulgar because of the intense hatred it incurred from other citizen, pe- citizens. People hated this guy. He was despised. So Jesus comes to town, he has dinner with this despised tax collector, this dirty man, this thief, Zacchaeus. And that's why in verse 7, whoever the they are, the townspeople, the community, they, when they saw it, they, I, th- I think it's just everybody in the city, everybody grumbled. Everybody complained. How could he do this? He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Jesus doesn't stand up and say, no, 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 you don't know Zacchaeus. Inside, there's actually some good things. He doesn't go that route. He he knows. Jesus came to town, and he's seeking this one man who is despised, who is a great, great sinner in the community. And that's when Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So who are the lost? Generally, they're disconnected from God, but the lost are the the wayward, the sinful, the dirty, and the despised. Jesus sought out this man and saved him. So Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus is disconnected from God. Zacchaeus seems to be a man who's chosen wealth over God. He's serving that, and it's, it's, his life has gone off track. So Jesus kind of goes out in, the, out in the space and brings him back into connection with God. As we're thinking about this, and we see this throughout the Gospel of Luke, the lost aren't only the despised and the far off, right? The, the older brother needs to be pursued as well. These grumblers need to be pursued as well. So this lostness, it is Zacchaeus, but it's manifested in many other ways too. And that's where we need to stop and think about this category of lostness, right? We read the Gospels and it's the religious community that are far, far, far out in the space, distant from God, doing a lot of the right things, living moral lives, but no relationship, no love exuding from their lives, right? Just hatred. Yes, moral. Yes, religious. Yes, righteous in some ways but lost. So this category of lostness, we we have to consider, yes, it applies to Zacchaeus, 
Praise be to God. Zacchaeus isn't too far gone. Jesus goes and gets him. It, it applies to people like that, but it applies also to the grumblers and the, the Pharisees and, and the elder brother in Luke 15, those who are living righteous lives. It applies to all of us. Whatever God we are tempted to pursue, whether it's wealth, whether it's acclaim, prestige, whether it's just a little American comfort, whatever God we're tempted to pursue and kind of go out in the space away from the one we are made to orbit around, however this lostness is manifested, Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. So that's contextually. Now third, currently, and I think we need to consider this again because think of Jesus' statement, this, this category of lostness, in the world in which we live. Because we're immersed, it's, kinda, it's the air we breathe. We're immersed in a culture that doesn't like this category. It's offensive. Now, sure, we have to be careful for the church and we're going, you're lost, you're lost. You're, you have to be careful. You have to qualify. But why is this so offensive? Right? Think about some of the key ideas that dominate, dominate the mindset of people today. Autonomy, independence, and freedom. Right? Autonomy means it's my life. I get to make the decisions. I will pursue my own path. I make my own rules. And this takes us back to the influence of uh, the philosopher Immanuel Kant back to the 1700s. And I think this is an important connection. Kant emphasized that autonomy or independence equals maturity. And accepting guidance from others or help from others equals childishness. So that's, that's what he taught. And think about how that plays itself out now today in our current culture. Right? Who is the strong person among us? The man who just goes out and does his own thing, makes his own life, right? The rugged individualism of, of America, of the West. How does this jive with Jesus' teaching of lostness and our neediness, our need for help? If autonomy and independence equals maturity and accepting help, receiving help, whether that's from God or for others, equals childishness, these two categories, Jesus' phrase here, Jesus' category of lostness, and this idea, the air in which we, we breathe, they do not come together. They, they do not jive. Jesus is holding up a different ideal. And it fits with reality. Dependence and trust. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am just a lost sheep. I'm like that child among the, the refugees who, who has nowhere to go, has no idea what to do. I am like that child. I need this man to come and help me. And re We're helpless. We're lost. Apart from the one who comes to seek and to save. Apart from the shepherd. So as we live in this world, we need to do away with Kant's categories. Receiving help from others, guidance from our shepherd is the way to life. Understanding this category of lostness, realizing our need and turning to the, the good shepherd who rescues and gives lives and, and restores, who reconnects us to God so we're in proper orbit. This is life. And we can't reconnect ourselves. We're off hurling out in our... We need someone to connect us. So currently, we have to think about how the culture around us, 
The way everyone thinks affects us as we come to this statement. So that was the first question. Hopefully you followed all that. What, is it, what does Jesus mean by referring to this category of lost? Disconnected from God? Living a life of sin for other things? You see Zacchaeus and the religious leaders? To be lost is to be like the lost sheep that Jesus often refers to in need. Needy and dependent. So that was number one. What does Jesus mean? Number two, what is Jesus doing for the lost? He came to seek and to save. And this is what he did in the incarnation and in becoming a man. Or why did he become a man? To seek and to save. This is what he did throughout his life. He pursued people. He pursued Zacchaeus here, but he pursued others. Why? To seek and to save. Why did he go to the cross? To seek and to save. Why? Did he do all these things to seek and to save lost people like us? But notice I'm asking this, this question in the present tense because Jesus is still doing this presently. He's still, and this is amazing, he still is seeking and saving. Gerhardus Voss, again, follow me here. This is from his sermon. He says this, Right now, Jesus is walking through the lands and ages as he once walked through the fields and cities. Right now, here in Auburn Hills, there in Ann Arbor, and around the world, the missionaries, right now Jesus is seeking and saving. As once, Voss says, in the incarnation, he came down from heaven to seek mankind, so he still comes down silently from heaven. In the case of each sinner, and pursues his search for the individual soul following it through all the mazes of its waywardness and the devious paths of its folly, following it wherever it goes, sometimes unto the very brink of destruction, till at last his grace overtakes it and says, I must lodge at the house today. Salvation has come. I mean, did you hear that? that that's, that's me, right? I can testify to that. Why am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Why have I been brought into this position where I can say I once was lost? Man, was I lost. I, I was going down all these mazes of my waywardness, looking back, how did I make that choice? How did I do that? I can look back at my, my life and see all the devious paths of my folly. What a foolish, foolish young man I was. But I can testify why well, I'm, I'm here today. I'm a follower of Jesus. Why? Because he sought me out. He followed me out. All through these mazes of my waywardness, he followed me, he sought me out, and he saved me. Dane Ortland, in his amazing book, I hope you've read it, Gentle and Lowly, says, With Christ, our sins and our weaknesses are the very resume items that qualify us to approach him because Jesus seeks, Jesus is pursuing, he, he is drawn to sinners, to the lost. He's able to save and rescue and restore. So I hope, I hope this morning, and we'll come to this in a second, as you think about your own life, if you are a follower of Christ this morning, you can look back on your life. Maybe it was in the church. Maybe you kind of just, I look at my life, I was a self-righteous kid. I was so full of pride. Man, I, I look back and it's like, man, I don't like that kid, right? I don't like him. 
I would never seek out that kid. I would never pursue him. Jesus, even though I was that, was lost, sought me and saved me. I hope you can see that this morning. Jesus saves. The Apostle Paul points to the personal love that Jesus has, the personal rescue. He says, he loved me. He gave himself for me. So you think about your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you can, you can know this. He loved you. He pursued you individually, following you till his grace overtook you. And salvation has come. Let me close with just a few thoughts. A few thoughts kind of for us to take away from this text. Number one, I hope you see the beauty of Jesus' mission in the past and in the present. Now, we won't see the beauty of it if we don't recognize our lost condition. Right? We have to see ourselves clearly what we were, what we are. But see the beauty of Jesus' mission. No one, no one is too far gone. No one because he's drawn to the lost to seek and to save the lost. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus' mission. So that's number one. Number two, my prayer is that you would see yourself clearly. I, I think Jesus' categories are pretty simple, lost and found, right? Two options, but it's so easy to, to muddle these two categories up. So I hope you see yourself clearly. Are you connected to God? Are you in proper orbit, right, by his grace, revolving around him, our son? Or are you lost today? Let's think about some of these categories. If you're lost, you hear this text, what are you to do if, if today you think, you know what, I am lost? I don't have this proper connection. I'm not feeling the warmth of the sun. I'm not feeling the flourishing life. That, what are you to do? Come to Jesus. He's still, he, maybe even now, right? He's seeking, he's pursuing. He's following you with his grace. Come to him with nothing in your hands. This is the beauty of the message we preach. Nothing in your hands. Come to him and receive his grace. Be found by him if you're lost. What if you've been found? I have a few thoughts for those who are Christians, who have been Christians. What if, what if you've been found? What does it look like to be found? What does it look like to be living in proper orbit around God? Number one, humility. Humility. Because the message is, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And it wasn't like, like we're um, what, one of these national treasure movies, right? The great treasure hunters, and we found Jesus, and now like we're the hero. No. We were clueless, like lost sheep, stupid far from God. Whether we were self-righteous or not, or like Zacchaeus, it doesn't matter. We were lost and have been found by him. How does that not engender some humility? Right, John Newton has the wonderful illustration of, uh, of a, a bunch of people have fallen into a pit. And someone walks by and, and gets one person out of the pit and then goes on for some reason. That guy who's been rescued from the pit, as he comes back to the pit, does he look down at those people in the pit like, how could you be in there? What's wrong with you people? No. There's a connection there. So yes, our message to the world around us is, yes, you're lost if you're not connected to God, but I was there too. But this one found me. I was, I was once lost, but now I'm found. So humility. 
We're not different from the world around us. It's all of grace. So humility, a security. Jesus is the one who finds us and an acceptance and a deep love by which we live each day. Because think, think about it. Jesus pursued you if you're found. Right the other day, I was walking through my house, and I have six kids. There's stuff all over the place, right? Let's be honest. And I see a dryer sheet on the floor. And I'm walking by, and I, have the, I, I can make a decision. Do I pick up that dryer sheet and throw it away, or just keep it? And I made the right choice. I went, bent down and picked it up. But it wasn't like this is like some treasure, right? I found it and took it to the trash. Gee, that, that's not what's going on here. Jesus is pursuing, like a lost child in this refugee, he's pursuing people, and when he, fight, he, he treasures these people as his possession. So what do, what do the found have? Perfect acceptance, and they know a deep love. This is who God is, the one who shows us this deep, deep love, bringing us back into this relationship that we were made for one more question I think as I said that these are simple categories lost and found but it's often easy to get confused here when we ask questions like well do we feel disconnected or do we feel like yeah I know that I've, I've trusted in Jesus and I'm walking with him but I, but I feel way out, way out and don't understand purpose and I, I am struggling it's easy to get confused. And, and I would say this morning, you don't have to clearly define the category you're in this morning. There, there may be some here that look to God and say, God, I don't even know. I don't even know where my heart is this morning. I can't untangle the mess of my heart. I thought I was here, but now I don't. I don't know. And I think that's a legitimate place to be this morning. But what then? If that's where you are this morning, kind of just, I, I don't even know, I thought I would, but I, what do you do then? Look to Jesus. Look to him and say, God, I don't know where my heart is. I, I don't know, but I'm coming to you. I, I want to taste your grace. And maybe that's the way Jesus is pursuing you right now. My heart is a tangled mess. I'm living in sin. I'm kind of prone to wander. I'm far from God. I'm way out in this. I thought I was, I don't know, God. What do you do? Look to Jesus. Don't spend 99% of your time trying to untangle the mess in your heart. Don't, don't all, I think that's a way Satan leads us to kind of go inward and subjective and go, oh, I'm so far from God. I don't know. And just leave us in this perpetual searching and, and not, no clarity of our, don't mess with it. Maybe spend a little time, but then look to Jesus, right? For every one look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ, right? I'm sure you've heard that before. Look to Jesus. Don't let Satan kind of lead you down this subjective path. Where you're like, I'm not sure what I should do. Lost, found, where I'm at. I don't know. I'm kind of Look to Jesus. Jesus, come to me. All who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He'll take care of you. He'll lead you to clarity. Come to him. Throw everything else aside. Come to Jesus. Be reconnected in him. Lastly, and I'll close, uh, I, I hope that through this text you see the beauty of Jesus' mission. I've said that. 
but also how this is our mission. I mean, how cool is this? Right now, through the lands and ages, Jesus is pursuing lost sinners, but he's not doing it alone. He invites us, those who've been rescued and found, to take part in this same mission, to pursue people, to seek them out, and to lead them to the place of grace and salvation. So now as I go to my work in Ann Arbor, as a pastor in Ann Arbor, what, what is my calling? To pursue people, to be in places where I can have relationships and, and seek to show the grace that, that found me. What is JJ's job here? What is Mike's job? What, 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 what their job is the same. To lead this church in pursuing people, pursuing the lost around us. What is your job? What is your mission? Each and every one of us who have been found by Jesus are called into, invited into this. This mission to build relationships to point to the grace of Jesus. We are a part of this. So we don't, we don't go from here like, oh man, I, gotta, I know I should be witnessing, I know I should be doing this, I know I should be on mission. No! We've found God's grace. We've been found by Jesus. Let me show it. Let me show him to you. Let me show him to you. We walk into a room. We don't have to have all our eyes on ourselves. We can be looking to others to share that grace, to share that love. We are invited into this, this mission. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What good news for us and what a privilege for us as the church. Let's close in prayer. Uh, Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ that he came to seek and to save and that he continues even in moments like this, normal, everyday moments to seek and to save the lost. Dear Jesus, if you are doing that now, I pray that you would continue to work in people's hearts here, that your grace would overtake, that your grace would conquer, that your grace would find people in this room. And Father, as we go from here, we pray that we would be a people who live with this proper connection, this proper orbit around you. We know it's only through the way of the gospel, repentance and faith and, and walking in light of the gospel that we can be in this relationship. So thank you for giving us this and preserving us. We pray that you would use each of us and I pray that you would use this church on this mission to seek and to save the lost in this community around this church. Oh God, lead us, we pray in Jesus' name.